with a global assault like never before in human history, we need to know that we have been created for God's glory. And when His glory defines our desires, then our destiny becomes established. Thanks for joining us on Life Journeys, a podcast about thriving through the worst pain that life brings. With global initiatives threatening big changes to our way of life, we're going to need to activate Jesus' words about mountain-moving faith. Words That Work is the ongoing series on life journeys that is rooted in releasing revelational words of faith that will work every time and with everyone. It's about moving the mountains that keep us from the presence and goodness of God. It's about defining our life purpose and identity through encountering Him until we have the power to move the obstacles that are destroying our liberty and hope. I want to thank all of you who've subscribed to the Life Journeys page. I found it amazing how a few likes and shares will spread this message of end times preparation around the country, from Alaska to Florida to Los Angeles to New York. People are seeing and responding. Oh, there's been some incredibly vicious response from the atheist crowd, but I'm encouraged to see that 90% of those who do respond in America are positive. What's funny is that even the hateful comments and dislikes help spread the message on Facebook's algorithms. The other day, God came with what I call a revelation word from 1 Peter 5.10. He said, I want you here in my glory. I have given it to you. You need never feel that you have fallen short of glory one more day. I called you by Jesus' work on the cross. It was more than a vocal invitation. It was by torture and death and resurrection for you. I'm calling you to my divine, life-giving, indestructible glory. I will perfect you. Don't give up. Don't despair your failures. I will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and I will settle you. I will do it. Let me. We have been created for God's glory. And when His glory defines our desires, our destiny becomes established. And with what's quickly coming upon us, our destiny is being assaulted like never before in human history. Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's the desire. From Matthew 6, it became obvious, My desire defines my destiny. The ministry of words that work is given to prepare for what lies ahead in our near future as global events unfold in our backyards. Personally, my destiny is defined by the treasure of God's glory. When God's presence comes down and my heart and mind know that He's in the room, the best word I can use to describe the encounter is glory. Words That Work is about establishing the faith whereby the glory of God can be encountered. I've learned that His presence in my life is only sustained by His Word coming alive to me. It becomes such a reality that faith is born and His goal for my life is fulfilled. You see, we have been created for God's glory. Romans 3.23 not only says we have fallen short of the glory of God, but it also declares its need in our lives. 
His presence kept coming day after day, and what was right alongside was the continued revelation of His Word. It just kept coming alive and becoming so relevant. The word for it is simply revelation. It's taking the lid off of or revealing in the spirit, soul, and mind the things of God. Revelation faith is merely the Word of God being known as just as real as the air we breathe. Soon, I begin to call it a revelation relationship with the glory of God. A revelationship, to coin a new word. Everybody's creating new words today. Why not you and I? The heart of this entire series of words that work is discovering such a relationship with God that we realize that this is our real life. It is His life in us. It's eternal life, and it is eternal because it can't die. It's indestructible. This is so vital to me because as my body weakens more and more each month and my earthly vitality fades and attempts to turn to despair, I have a revelation life with Christ that is greater, higher, more joyful, and absolutely liberating from all that seeks to destroy my well-being. It's akin to the truth of the book of Revelation because in this apocalyptic book, its heart is simply a taking the lid off of all that is in this life. It's taking the lid off sin in the hearts of men. That's why we're seeing evil walking in plain sight today. The lid is coming off. But it's also taking the lid off of the glory of God and revealing the indestructible life that overcomes guilt, fear, anger, hurt, low self-esteem, despair, and so much more. The heart is revealed. And that's the scary part, but it's only revealed so that we can eagerly search for and find the life of heaven, the real life that we've been created for. All of the Words That Work podcasts are given with this end in sight, the life of the glory of God in the face of all that is trying to destroy us. When I'm talking about the glory of God, I'm talking about the revealing of your intended life in Christ. When I'm talking about deliverance from life's heartache, I'm talking about the absolutely reliable faith that will usher in a continual stream of the revelations of your life given to you through Christ. It's a taking down of the religious traditions of mere ceremony and appropriating the glory behind them. And make no mistake, after 40 years in the ministry and living and seeking the presence of God, I'm talking about even more and even deeper than I've ever had before. You see, this is the revelation or blueprint for the days ahead. It's taking down the book of Revelation off the shelf and applying its heart to us instead of the constant phony guesswork of so many prophetic movements that try to identify who the Antichrist is and where the U.S. is in Bible prophecy. It's learning to let revelation life breathe in us by applying prophecy to our hearts instead of our heads. It's not about lifting up a man or ministry by trying to be sensational or make money. Personally, this podcast costs me hundreds of dollars every month and there's no money coming in. None. It's not about that at all. The reward is the life of Christ working in the daily challenges. And I want to close this podcast with an excerpt from the book, The Fortress and the Firebrand, where I was talking simply about the glory of God in daily life. It reads, 
1990, the Voyager 1 spacecraft, having completed its mission, was about to leave our solar system. As it did, NASA scientists turned on the spacecraft's camera and took one last photograph of Earth from about 3.7 billion miles. What the image revealed was startling. Dubbed the pale blue dot by astronomer and astrophysicist Carl Sagan, this photograph shows Earth as a tiny dot, about one-tenth of a pixel in size, suspended in the vast emptiness of space. In his reflections on this photograph, Sagan wrote, That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you have ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives on a mote of dust suspended on a sunbeam. Now, picture God's hand, and in his hand is the small segment of the universe that makes up that photo. The wonder is not only his size, but that as big as God is, he can come down and dwell with you in your bedroom, at your desk at work, or in your car. I've often wondered how a God that big can be considered as dead or non-existent. Who keeps the comets at bay so that they don't strike the earth? Our planet is by far the most active of any other ever discovered. With storms and earthquakes and oceans in a balance, he keeps us safe. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God's eternal power and his divine nature are understood by the things that he has made, according to Psalms 19. Our solar system, after over 30 years, finally has a spacecraft, Voyager, at its outer limit, sending back data that scientists didn't expect it could still do. The sun at this distance is one five-thousandth as bright as it is on Earth. This solar system of ours is only a dot in the Milky Way galaxy. A dot! See yourself traveling further and further away, a million times faster than the speed of light, so that you can comprehend actual movement away from our galaxy. As you pull away, you see other galaxies. Soon the Milky Way appears as a spinning dot of dust amidst the sea of other galaxies, coming together as a vista of stars in the night sky. Remember that on a clear night you can faintly see the dusty glow of the Milky Way. God created all of this. It's like his toy box in size. He can turn a 747 jetliner into a French fry. He can make a duck fly helicopter, or he can turn an invading army into a plate of French toast. He can step from one star to the next in the blink of an eye, while it would take man a thousand generations to fly that far in the fastest spaceship that he could make. He transcends time itself. He can go forward in time and put his hand under that tree branch that is about to crash into your porch in a storm. The prayer that you will pray years from now on your deathbed for your grandchild's safety, God has already heard it and gone forward to establish its answer. He can turn that soil beneath your feet into a human being whose brain is still 10,000 times more amazing than any computer AI. 
He inhabits the universe in its 70 billion light years across the known expanse, yet that is only what we can somehow discover. The nearest of hundreds of billions of scientifically estimated galaxies could never be reached by human space travel, even if we could move the speed of light. At over two million light years away, Andromeda will collide with our galaxy in about five billion years, they say. God created each galaxy, each solar system, each planet within each system, and each sun, moon, and star that exists. He says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. God is big. He's big enough, easily, easily, to be in every hospital room, with every frightened mother, with every child who goes out the front door, with every grieving spouse, in every foxhole, every ghetto, every homeless shelter, and in every alley. Consider it. Who would recline upon his throne and imagine how he would want the night sky to look with the stars showing their millions of lights and the aurora borealis dancing between the horizon and eternity? And then he would arise and just create it. Who but this God can enter the conversation about why there is war, famine, the devil, and disease, and then just take you completely away as if their worst is as the remnants of a shooting star? Who can burst into the gallows of Auschwitz, call up the treacherous prison guard spitting out his threats as children hang like docile, silent ragdolls on a butcher's meat hook, no whimper coming from their dying bodies, and then can carry a soul into a dimension beyond time and let him behold God blowing the wind from his lips and causing the clouds to flash and shake the mountains. All a man can do is let the questions disappear as the morning mist and its confusion bend low before our God. There are times when the greatness of God so impacts the soul that the suffering of this life fades into the shadows. It happened when Job, who had lost his sons and his wealth and his health, was lying in the ashes, scratching the boils on his skin. Here's a man who lived a life to love God with all his heart, and this happened. In the midst of his accusing friends trying to tell him why he was suffering, God just showed up. He spoke to him in only the way that God could. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, does the rain have a father? Who asks that? When such thoughts come, you know you are in the presence of the Creator of the universe. What's it like to encounter the glory of God? It's being in a position of suffering, weakness, and affliction, and a thought comes to you out of nowhere, a thought that you know is a million miles away from your present sensibilities. The other day, while I was struggling with frustration and extreme weakness, just trying to pick up a few apples off the ground, the words came, You are a man of God. I have called you to myself and hallowed you in my presence. Everything changed. Imagine how you would feel and what you would think if God just made himself plain and open to you and you knew that you were loved, accepted, and at peace with him. 
even in your moment of carnal frustration. That kind of an encounter is the glory of God. His presence just seems to come in, and your life is lifted. These are the words that have worked for me. They help define a revelation relationship with the glory of God. It comes, He comes, by seeking Him diligently until His presence starts defining my existence. He defines all of us with a desire for Himself that works to define our destiny. You can unlock the presence of God in your life. There are revelation principles that remove the mountains, keeping us from joy, hope, peace, and purpose when our world gets turned upside down. Look for these words that work with Pastor Hardika as he shares what has helped him when life got hard. And don't forget to check out his book, The Fortress and the Firebrand, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thanks for listening to Life Journeys. Find new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. And if you're new to this series, it begins with the September 16th episode. I'm calling you to my divine, life-giving, indestructible glory. I will perfect you. Don't give up. Don't despair your failures. I will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and I will settle you. I will do it. Let me.